And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Welcome, everyone. It is Wednesday. We have survived September, I suppose you could say. Jason Hyde here in the studio. And we have a guest. We will bring her in here in just a moment. The live chat is open if you are watching or listening in a playback we do have uh, the comment thread and you can send an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com in order to provide your feedback or suggest guests if uh, that is your bent we do have a discount over at superhero stuff.com you can get 10% off your order when you use the promo code sci-fi for me 10 when you check out that can be used in combination with other orders and offers and sales and such so let us get to this here our guest today Cheryl Campbell, she is uh, known mostly, uh, at least up until now, as a fantasy author. She, has, uh, she is the author of the Burnt Mountain series and has now jumped into science fiction with her new Echoes trilogy, the second book of which is Echoes of Darkness. It's out on Monday, and uh, she joins us now. Cheryl Campbell, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you for having me. So the, the, the first question I guess I have is not, I mean, the, the typical, how did you get started? We can get into that. But <laughs> at what point, somewhere in your, in your past, there must have been a moment when you said, you know, I think I'm going to be a writer. Was there a, was there, as, as we writers say, was there an inciting incident that started you on this path because you've got quite a varied background. I uh, do. <laughs> not too many authors have a have have studied herpetology as, right. as an example. So, what was the point where you sat there and said, "I'm going to start writing stories"? Um, I started writing fan fiction, uh, Star Trek fan fiction. I was in an online group. This would have been. Um, mid 90s i think mid 90s and um i was new to the internet i was new to playing with a computer that actually you know had a hard drive um because i i did some old school you know swapping out the floppies and um yeah i i stumbled into a a uh, a star trek chat room right off of like star trek.com and it just i was a lurker I just kind of hung around in there and just kind of watched because I, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and, and the more I hung around, the more I started interacting with other people and, and making a few friends online uh, and they had writing groups. Um, so I joined one or two, started really enjoying it, um, really got to interact with some really talented writers. And um, I actually, I did that for several years and uh, it was around probably somewhere around 2010 um, I kind of got an idea of 
wanting to write something for my nieces, I say nieces and nephews. At the time I had one niece and one nephew and, and uh, they were like three years old and two years old respectively. So I was like, all right, if I'm gonna do a YA fantasy, I've got about 10 years to figure it out. Uh, they should give me enough time. And, and that's what I did and I started playing around with it. Uh, lots of drafts, lots of throwing things away, um, starting new, trying it again. Um, playing around with you know different stories because I had no idea how to write a novel. Um, started getting more information about the, the, the craft and kind of how to, to do it because I was just used to writing fanfic and, and we would just do probably my longest post was like five pages. Um, and so trying to just switch from this into long form um, I, I, yeah, I didn't have a clue. So I started reading, started following other um, writers, authors, and, and just trying to get as much information as I could. A lot of rewrites um, that was, I was pantsing, pantsing through the whole thing. Uh, wrote myself in the corners repeatedly, all that kind of good stuff. Um, and, uh, but I eventually kind of figured it out, came out on the other side of, of it with, uh, you know, a decent story. Um, but yeah, fantasy, fantasy was the, um, my start. Sci-fi was always my first love though. Uh, my grandmother and mother were both uh, big sci-fi fans. So that has been passed down. <laughs> um, so it's been, it's been interesting. Yeah. So but, how, uh, how often do you get asked if you're related in any way with John W. Campbell? Because Campbell and, and science fiction, I mean, you associate those two names together. Ha, have you been able to play with that at all? No, unfortunately, no. Um, I more often get asked if I'm related to the, uh, the soup company Campbell's sure. to which that's also a no. <laughs> So your your story is a little is a little bit similar to Anne Crispin, for for example, when she when she decided that she was going to write uh, Yesterday's Son as her first book, it was essentially a fan fiction type of project where she started working on that, and she had a, a very long and and uh, well received career, and and you've done fairly well for yourself with uh, a number of awards too. You've got. Yeah. Uh, Reader's Favorite, America's Book Fest International Book Awards, uh, Next Generation Indie Book Awards, Independent Book Publishers Association, Benjamin Franklin Award. So you're, you're on your way, I guess. But, I mean, you're, you're what, th uh, four or five books now? Do you still consider yourself starting? Or are you now in your head, you know, considering fanfic was where you started do you see yourself now as an established professional writer or are you still doing this as as uh, for fun <laughs> for um, lack of a better way of describing I, it. right right um i i still do i still do write for fun but it's it has a much more serious slant to it now um it's it's no longer a hobby and um my, my schedule is kind of weird. I'm not somebody I don't write every day. Um, I have a full-time job. I, I work in IT, healthcare IT full-time. Um, and so that's, that's really like my, my Monday through kind of Friday gig. And then Friday afternoons and then over the weekend, that becomes the writing gig. Um, and, and so I, I stick with the IT stuff. Um, during the week, I kind of stay in that, that 
headspace during the week and then I flip gears and go into writing mode, um, you know, really over the weekends. Um, and that's when I, I'm really at the computer, you know, writing or working on something, doing research, whatever it is I'm, I'm doing. Um, so I, I would say that um, I, I would say that I, I consider myself a professional writer in the context that I do take it very seriously. It's not a game. Uh, it's not just for fun, but it, it is fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, and I enjoy it. Um, and there are times when it's, it's less fun because it, it's hard work, but um, yeah, I, I would say I'm a professional writer. Um, but also as part of that profession, I also, am very diligent and about continuing to learn, learn new things, learn more about, you know, my craft, learn what other people um, are doing, what they're teaching, taking, um, you know, I would say online class, but not through like university, um, through some of the, the seminars uh, that writing coaches and people like that will do. And I always learn something, always learn something new. Um, when I go back to a book that I have, you know, on, on writing um, and, or go back to old posts or notes or things that I have, I've kept over time that I constantly refer back to, to kind of refresh me. And I, and I do that at the start of every novel. Um, I go back through all of my, my stuff, my little, my cheat sheets and, and notes and everything to just kind of refresh myself on plot points and things like that. And what am I trying to do? What am I trying to accomplish? I try to find all my plot holes before I even start. So it's, I, I probably get a little bit in the weeds on it, but I don't know. I, I kind of chalk it up to the, the IT world. Um, well, you know, and cause I, I use an Excel spreadsheet to help me with my novels. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it makes a certain amount of sense when you're talking about world building, because there is a, yeah. you know, the more you do in a given story universe, the more you've got to keep track of. I want to circle back mm -hmm. to that for a second, but you mentioned uh, the the learning and the workshops. You're a member of the Main Writers and Publishers Alliance. Mm -hmm. How has that helped? What what benefit is there uh, in being a member of that group? Is that a networking thing or is that a continuing education? It's a little mix of both. How has that helped your, your writing? Yeah, they do have a mix of both. Uh, they... The, the nice thing is, is I, I get it newsletters. And so I, I get all the, the information about others in the organization who are, who have upcoming releases or who've had uh, media slots or um, interviews, things like that. Um, I can also contribute, you know, to have my stuff run in those newsletters. Um, they do seminars. Uh, some of them, well, they're all online now, um, but they, they do have seminars and, and teaching events. Um, they have, they do have networking events. Um, I haven't been able to get into one of the networking events. I had emailed, you know, someone about that. Um, and I, I, I ended up not hearing anything back, but I didn't pursue it because I ended up kind of relocating and I, I kind of do a bit of a nomadic lifestyle. So I wander uh, quite a bit. I live out of, you know, live minimalistically and and so I can I can travel you know pretty easily going from different places but um and, and that makes the networking part hard too is you know sometimes I'm I'm bouncing around quite a bit now your bio says that you're originally from Louisiana but you're in yep. Maine what part of Louisiana are you from I was born in Metairie uh, Louisiana just outside of New Orleans okay 
And um, uh, we lived in Kenner, uh, and um, which is another kind of burb of, of New Orleans area. Um, we moved to Mississippi um, around third, third, fourth grade, something like that. Uh, and I'm lying. It was earlier than that. But um, where I ended up going to high school and stuff was um, we lived in a community called Henley Field out in Carrier, Mississippi. And I uh, went to school at Picayune. Um, and so that's where I went from fourth grade through high school. Um, so spent a good chunk of time in Mississippi. But Picayune is only about an hour hour and a half, depending on which side of New Orleans you're going to. And, and I've got a ton of family um, all down south. So um, New Orleans is still the airport I fly into when I do go down um, and, and, you know, for traveling and visiting family and stuff like that. So I stay down there, stay down there a fair amount. Um, How much culture shock was there going into <laughs> Stephen King country? I was, um, I went into it. I, I was very arrogant about it. Um, I was like, ah, it can't be that cold. It can't be that big of a deal. Um, and, and the, my first winter, I moved in June, 2001, my first winter up here was, it happened to be a very mild winter, which I, again, I was being very arrogant about it and like, ah, y'all just making stuff up. It's really not that bad, blah, blah, blah. The next winter I was living down in, um, Southwest Harbor, Maine down on Mount Desert Island. That was when I was starting grad school. And I was like, that's it, I'm gonna die. I'm, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna freeze to death. And um, they're gonna find me in the spring when the snow melts on the side of the road. Um, and that's where I'll be. <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> Has, now you, you've got, uh, the Echo Trilogy is set up around the the Boston, Portsmouth area up there in New England. Mm -hmm. It Was that a conscious decision that, oh, well, I live here, I might as well use it as the setting? Or was it a suggested by somebody else? How did you determine that that's where you were going to put those books? So part of it was the world building. Um, the first book is centered in Maine. And this it was this a global idea of if, if aliens are attacking, and these are aliens who have been hiding on Earth for centuries, uh, they launched this global attack and they want to, you know, wipe off wipe out all humans, take over the planet. It doesn't go well. Um, but the idea behind that was um, if, if I was attacking, if I was the attacker and I wanted to wipe out as much humanity as possible, I would hit the big cities. Um, Maine is, does not have big cities. It's still very, it's a very rural state. And, and so the idea that, that Boston would get would become would get clobbered um and you know death on a massive scale uh, and they would easily be able to take over boston with their their um, superior tech and weapons um but maine wouldn't wouldn't actually like feel the brunt of the attack because it's so rural um there are about 1.3 million people in the entire state of maine and so the thought was, if I'm, if I'm gonna, you know, wipe out a bunch of human life, um, it, it's in my best interest to, to hit Boston and um, maybe not, you know, worry so much about Maine. And, and so that was, that was part of it. And that was why the first book ended up being centered around Maine. Um, Bangor 
is still pretty doing pretty well. They're they're thriving because they weren't attacked at all initially. Portland was partially attacked, or um, they they didn't they didn't get completely devastated right. uh, when with the start of the war. But Boston got obliterated pretty much, um, and and so the progression then was the first book being in Maine, the second book moving a bit more south to say, okay, now we want to look at this bigger target of we need to retake this city back from the, the wardens, which are the, the genocidal group of the alien echoes. Um, and so that's where it just kind of moved move south. And then um, the third book goes a bit larger scale from there. So it continues to escalate. So I, I don't recall in the first book uh, seeing an explanation on this, and I might have missed it. Have you given a reason yet why the Echoes waited so long? If, if, they're, if they're sitting here and they're living among us for all of this time, uh, how, how, have we, uh, how have we gotten to the point where they've lived all of these hundreds and thousands of years among us and now they just decide to attack? Was there a, was there a triggering incident that we don't know about yet? Uh, right. Yeah. So it, the triggering incident really wasn't, it, you know, wasn't covered in the, the first book. It was really more of this, we're dealing with the aftermath um, and, and we're dealing with the aftermath decades later. Right. Um, and so it, it, their, their base mission was they were, they were laying low. Um, and so the, the, the echoes as a whole were on earth and peace they were peaceful and they kind of stayed that way they were hiding they were blending in and they weren't causing any problems the the wardens the genocidal group were really a splinter group um but because these were aliens that that ultimately technology um you know really to to devastate earth um as a whole uh, from you know, with all echoes uh, being involved, um, they really couldn't get that much of a an impetus behind them for the initial attack. Uh, they thought they had it, uh, but it, ultimately they didn't have this global destruction as planned. They kind of ran out of weaponry. Um, all of the local militaries start really kind of retreated instead of saying, "Okay, now we're gonna we're gonna hit back at you." Uh, we're gonna we're gonna kind of back up and um, kind of just try to recover and, and figure out what to do next. Right. Um, but the the wardens had kind of shown all their cards, and but really nobody took advantage of that. And and so that was and so then the war starts dragging on because now they're in an arms race. They they've already the wardens have already kind of sp spent their cash <laughs> of weapons and. Um, still didn't quite win. And, and so now they're in an arms race um, for, to, for the wardens to finish it. And then for the, the local militaries, the, what I call the commonwealths um, for each continent are now just trying to catch up and say, okay, we're, we're kind of always one step behind these guys in technology, but we have some things, you know, that might be able to start helping us. And one of those being the ancients, which are some of the original echoes that settled on Earth the hundreds of years prior, or that have all this technology, that have space travel, 
and, and a, a lot more knowledge um, that they're starting to say, okay, you, you guys are trying to really fight and win now. And, you know, humanity is worth saving. The planet's worth protecting against um, the warden. So we're, we're going we're gonna, to you know, throw you a couple of bones here and try to help you out. Now, I suppose we should back up a little bit for people who are not familiar with the trilogy. The basic setup is you have uh, it's, it's alien invasion. Uh, from a group called Echoes. Uh, like you said, they've been living among us all this time. You have the militant faction called Wardens. Echoes have the ability to regenerate. Uh, so whenever they die, they come back, unless you take steps to prevent the regeneration from happening. So uh, did the did the alien invasion part of it come first? Because like you say, we all, we see these a lot, but they're centered toward... You know, V happening in Los Angeles, you've got Independence Day blowing up New York, all of the big major cities like that. When it came time, when you, when you had the idea for the aliens uh, infiltrating and invading, and now we've got this, this dystopian future of sorts, was that the first idea or was the regeneration first? Where, where did this start? Is, okay, I've been doing all this fantasy stuff now. Now I want to do a science fiction because science fiction world building and fantasy world building are are not uh, you can you can bring some skill set over, but your tools are going to be a little bit different. So how much of a challenge was it to set up a science fiction environment for this series? Um, it, it was a bit of a challenge. The um, the original idea, um, uh, the, the the genesis of the Echoes trilogy was a dream. Uh, it was when it was four o'clock in the morning. I, I, I had a dream where I was, it was like I was watching a movie and there was a young woman who had a, um, um, who had died and she goes to like this Oracle somebody and, and they're telling her, um, Hey, um, you, you've, You've lived this life before. You've actually lived it several times. Um, you keep dying. You keep making the same mistakes. You keep dying the same way. And um, we can we can send you back and you can try again. And, and I don't know what her, her mission was or what she was supposed to get right. Uh, that I, I didn't get that far. But, but the idea was, you know, we can send you back and you can try again. Or you don't go back and you move on to the afterlife, whatever that is. And, and, but if we send you back, uh, we send you back without your memories and you have to just hope for the best because you, you kind of been sucking at it <laughs> your, your, your prior, your prior uh, attempts. And I woke up uh, before she made her decision and I was, I was wildly angry because I wanted to know what her decision was. And I didn't have that information uh, because I woke up and, but the idea around it was to me, it had hooked me so hard just in that dream. Like I was watching this movie that is like, there's, there may be something to this. Yeah. And, and this has happened before. It happens at random times. And then I quickly break out my phone and I start dictating into it and, um, or, or, you know, typing myself an email or something. So I don't forget it. And, um, and then it was, 
I kind of hung on to it. And I was right at the end of finishing up the fantasy series. And I had no idea what I was going to start on next. And that gave me the idea. And so being such a sci-fi fan, it, it wasn't too difficult to make the leap to try to um, bring that more together and to build that world. Sure. And so it, the spark was the stream. And then the rest of it was just kind of working to build this whole scenario around why would um why would why why are the aliens there where did they come from what are they doing um what's the world like originally it was i had started writing it so that it was more modern day um and then that just wasn't working well uh and then i started kicking around some ideas about making it more into the um into the future from now um, and saying, you know, okay, if there's this big apocalyptic event, it's going to halt technology. Um, and, you know, there, there's not going to be all these, de these developments, you know, we're not going to have, um, you know, flying cars and, and things like that. Um, it's going to, it's going to halt all that progress um, for this apocalyptic event. You're not going to have the people available to make repairs to equipment. Uh, computers are going to go down. Um, you know, the, the power grids are going to go down. You know, there's just going to be this, this massive in infrastructure failure. And then there's going to be this manpower failure too, right. because they've, they've been killed. So it's trying to then figure out, okay, how are these people living? And so it became very easy for me to then say, okay, Danny, the main character, she's a street rat. <laughs> she's a survivor. She's a scavenger. Um, and, and that, and that was very easy to, to lump her into that category as saying, okay, this is, this is who she is and who she will, um, be and, and then develop and then coming up to, you know, what, what is going to be her role. All right. Now, uh, in the chat, Sci-Fi Snobs asking about what book to start with to get into your work. Echoes is the beginning of a, a it's, it's a first trilogy for you. The first book yeah. is Echoes of War. Mm -hmm. which uh, has been out, uh, was what came out last year? Or last year last uh, September, yep. Okay, so that one's been out, and then Echoes of Darkness comes out Monday. Monday. And that is, there's there's the first book there. Uh, we do have a review of that over at SciFiForMe.com. I have not uh, had the time to put my review of Echoes of Darkness in. Uh, I did enjoy it. I did like it. There was one quibble that I had about the first book, Mm -hmm. uh, with regard to Danny, I, cause the reveal, I, I don't know if this is technically a spoiler, but at the very beginning, it almost felt like, Oh, okay. I see where this is going. And it went there, but it did it in a way that said it, this is not a major spoiler. This defines who she is for the rest of the book. And then I saw what you did after that and it was okay. And, and I don't see a whole lot of telegraphing. Uh, as far as, you know, being able to see what's coming. Now, there are in, inevitably, uh, when you're doing any kind of dystopian future thing, there's always going to be the tropes and, you know, yep. the YA and, and the whatnot. You always are, basically the challenge is finding all of the elements that you normally use in other, other stories and coming up with an original recipe um, with, with beta readers and feedback and editors, when you decided to go from fantasy, fantasy to science fiction, did you get 
any was was anybody surprised that you want to do something different now you wanted you wanted to branch out into sci-fi or were people expecting you to stay in fantasy or is this all just a matter of course wherever the stories are um yeah the only thing that was kind of a surprise where you know some of my family was kind of like mm, what are you doing <laughs> was the Burt Mountain stuff is 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 very YA centric. It, it there's no f bombs, uh, there's no swearing at all, right. really. Um, there's a and, lot of it in the Echoes trilogy. Yes, so. and and the, and that was it. That was the gear change. Was I said because uh, the the Burt Mountain it was supposed to be one book turned into five, and um, I just kind of said okay. I, I truly wrote that for my nieces and nephews um, and I'm done because I had, I had some friends who were like, what about book six? What about book seven? I can see this going a long way. And I said, Hey, start your own fanfic, rock it out. I'm, you know, but I'm, I, I'm moving on. I'm done. Um, it's time to, time to move on to something else. Um, so the switch into sci-fi wasn't um, a huge leap. Um, most everybody knows that I'm a, sci-fi fantasy fan anyway um if i'm not in a doctor who t-shirt which i happen to be wearing right now i'm in a star wars t-shirt so um it, it wasn't that big of a leap the the only difference was it was a very deliberate decision to basically take it take the echoes trilogy into like our territory that was very deliberate um because i felt like i i felt like i had a bridle in my mouth uh, when writing the fantasy and there were things that I wanted to say, emotions that I wanted to convey that involved um, profanity. And I, I kind of, I couldn't, cause yeah. I was like, I, I don't want to be that, that auntie that taught her nieces and nephews how to swear. <laughs> well, and the so, other thing, you know, but you I was like the echoes book, Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. I'm and bridal comes off, you know, and then so it is there, most there definitely not a not a YA novel in the traditional sense. So correct. Okay. So uh, going back to the to the Burnt Mountain thing for a second, when people are talking about you know the next book, book six and seven, and 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 continuing the series, have you had any thoughts about? opening up that universe to other writers because we've got some some other some other franchises i guess if you will dragon riders of pern being one honor harrington uh david weber's uh honor verse where as the universe builds and grows there are now other people who are starting to contribute to those universes whether they're in mm -hmm. short story anthologies or co-writing or anything like that. Have you given any consideration to doing something like that where basically it's still yours, but you're letting somebody else come in and play in the sandbox and they do the heavy lifting and you just mm -hmm. kind of massage it and make sure it stays in in the right world, as it were? Um, I, it's nothing I, ha I hadn't thought about doing anything like that, but I would not be opposed to it at all. Um, same thing, even with the Echoes trilogy, once it, you know, kind of wraps up, um, cause the Burnt Mountain series was set as, as a global, this, this stuff with this, you know, the parallel universe kind of thing, um, was set globally. And in the first, uh, two books are set more in Maine. The third book is in Yellowstone. 
and then books four and five are in France. And, and if you read the series, you'll see why I was making, you know, what, why those jumps happened and where, where they came from. Uh, they weren't random, um, but it was, um, th they were fun. And, and, and that was kind of it as they were like, there's, there's so much potential and so many places this could go. Um, and, and so many new characters, you know, that you can develop and bring into this world. And it's like, go for it. <laughs> I'm not, but I'm not doing it. Um, just because I, I had this idea for the Echoes book and it, I needed to work on it. Like it wasn't just a, eh, we'll see what this idea, you know, what happens with this idea, but it was more, I have to work on this. This, this will eat me alive if I don't, you know, do something with this story. Um, because the, like I said, that initial spark from that dream just, it, it got, it grabbed me too hard for me to ignore. And the, the military aspects of it, I know you've acknowledged some, some people in the military who have helped you as consultants and, and people who will give you feedback. How much of that was, I'm, I'm going to listen to you, but, uh, I'm not going to use that. It did, did you have to do a lot of adjustments based on what they told you after reading it? Or was it loose enough that, you know, you could skate by with this, just don't say this, don't say that? Yeah. Um, so what I did with um, my friend Mike, who I, I do cite in the acknowledgments, um, he and I would get together, we'd hang out. Uh, he's a retired Marine. And we, we, we in a pub in Bangor and just hanging out and I'm, I'm buying food, I'm buying pints and, and I'm literally just listening to, to some of his stories. And, and sometimes, you know, he, he's off, you know, talking about some of the training stuff. He's off talking about, um, you know, qualifying on the shooting range um, and he was talking about some of the training incidents um, that one of the trainings we were talking about urban warfare right. and um, and he was telling me about one of the trainings he was in and he they the whole thing about the using the paint rounds um, the sim round I called them sim rounds but they, they were paint rounds for um, training and right out of the gate Danny goes into a training and she gets shot in the neck with a paintball that happened to Mike <laughs> And he, he kind of forgot that he had told me about it. And so I, I, I had talked to him, got a lot of gr great information. We talked about all these different attack scenarios. And I had printed maps of uh, Portland, Maine and stuff, because that was where things were going to be going down. And we talked about tactics. And um, uh, when he, then when he read the, the draft, uh, we met up again to for me to get feedback and stuff and he was like you know i was in this training session and i got shot with a, a, a paint round right in the neck i'm like mike i took that from you i <laughs> it's like I, I like truly took that right out of your mouth and and wrote that in i was like oh that has to go that has to go in there um so yeah there were a few things uh that he would he made some comments on um and some and he was usually um fixing my verbiage fixing the words that i had chosen um like I had, I was talking about somebody manning the gun on the, on the, one of the helicopters. And um, 
I think he he wrote in it was like the the deck gunner or something like that whatever whatever the correct term was and I immediately went in and changed it right. um, to be the term that that he wanted. Um, so no, I have um, really used a, a lot of of what he's you know told me. We've chatted about and um, and then there's been some things that I have just kind of pulled out myself, made up. Um, and it was kind of nice because with writing futuristically, I could manipulate the landscape. Uh, so there were parts of Portland. I was like, you know, um, an attack in this particular area is not going to go well because of these landscape features. And so I wrote a scene where they just go in and they start leveling buildings to because they want a clear sight to the ocean to be able to see, look for attacks and stuff. And right. but that then also sets them up, sets the wardens up for problems later. Um, as a result of doing that. Um, but, and, and some of that stuff was just me figuring out how to, how to get the story where I wanted it to be. So yeah. it was like, ah, I don't need this building, <laughs> blow it up. <laughs> I don't need this hill, you have know, you let's found, level it. Yeah. Have you found that working with real environments helps or hinders your story in terms of the world building? Because now you're, you know, if you're if you're doing Burt Mountain or you're doing Dungeons and Dragons, Neverwinter or Pern or wherever, you know, you just make it up. You can, you know, mm -hmm. the landscape can be whatever it is that you want it to be. The map is whatever you want it to be. But now you actually are using real places where people really live and they're going to look at it and they're going to go, well, that's not right. That building should be over here. I, did you run into those issues and, and was there a concern there? Oh, okay. Well, I've, I'm using Boston. I need to actually use Boston and get it right. Yeah. Um, no, one of the things I do is I pour over maps and I also go, you know, to the different areas where I'm setting these things up. Um, and so I, I was doing tours, um, um, guided tours and doing a lot of reading, just wandering, wandering around. Um, there's a scene in the first book where they're coming out of a, a drain pipe. Um, they're, they're using the sewers and they're using a drain pipe for part of the access. And that was because I was walking around Portland um, down by the where the, the the ferries come in and out and there was a giant drain pipe and I'm like huh I'm going to use that <laughs> <laughs> so um and using the, the manholes and things like that in the in the streets and in some of it I like I said I just kind of made it up to fill in some of the gaps um but that's also kind of the nice thing like I said with writing futuristically if somebody says you know what they don't have these this system. They don't have this sewage system running under the Portland airport. Maybe they don't, but there's no reason they can't because this is, you know, um, pretty far is about, um, you know, a hundred years into the future. So there's no reason to say that they weren't put in at some point. Right. But for the most part, when I'm citing streets, buildings um, and things like that, I have a very clear image in my head I use Google Maps a lot. I'll get down into that 3D view. I'll take screenshots. I get them printed out. And um, and then I, I just pour through those things. And so in the second book, when they're in this the simulation and they're walking through Boston, all those streets are real, those landmarks are real, the little the little parks and side things that I, you know, that they're cutting through that are now overgrown with brush because nobody's been taking care of them. Those are those are all actual places in Boston. Now, when 
I guess I guess this might be the most important question here. When uh, is your is your study of of amphibians and snakes going to be factoring into this story? Because you know your herpetology hasn't hasn't shown itself in this trilogy yet. Yeah, neither really has uh, healthcare IT or or (laughs) being a a former ICU and emergency nurse. Um, I mean, why isn't Brody a snake? Come on. Yeah, yeah, I I touched on a little bit of the herpetology stuff in the Burnt Mountain books, um, because in that one, people's fears become real. And um, and one of the people in the, the books has a fear of snakes. Um, and so, so that was about as, as far as I got into it. Um, but I haven't really, you know, dove into um, one, one of the characters in the Burnt Mountain books. I made her a programmer. Um, and, you know, so that was kind of her job. I'm not a programmer, but I do similar things. But um, it was, it, it has, it's, it's been interesting. And so some of the healthcare stuff has been fun because in the Echoes book, the the healthcare is a bit more advanced it's a lot more advanced and and i could kind of create the world that i would love to see medically you know quick healing um no suffering you know things like that um and and some of the medical developments that we have like i you know basically thinking of um like one of those bariatric chambers and so when somebody gets really injured and they're they're in one you know the the field hospital or even in a, a regular infirmary, they have pods healing pods, and um, and they can get in there and it can accelerate healing, um, and then they have other other things that they do, um, and and so that was a lot of fun kind of creating what I would love to see happen medically in the future, uh, but yeah herpetology really hasn't hasn't um, poked its head up in any of the books yet, <laughs> maybe in the third book I guess huh? uh, yeah it, yeah it, it could happen. So, uh, okay, so Burnt Mountain started as the idea was one book. It turned into five. Echo's trilogy is supposed to be a trilogy. It's planned just for three. What happens beyond that? What's what's after uh, the third Echo's book is done? Are, are you allowing for the possibility of Echo's four, or are you thinking I'm going to go do something else and we'll do something brand new? Um, I, I have one friend who has been on me since last year that there needs to be an Echoes 4. <laughs> and, and we've, we've had this uh, argument uh, pretty extensively now for since, since it first came up. Um, it will be three books. Um, what I'm allowing, though, is I started writing prequel chapters. So one of the characters, uh, so Danny's the protagonist, um, supporting cast is... Uh, one of one of them is Mary. Mary has a little bit of a shady background. It's not really alluded to, but just a little bit. And um, they have, um, and so there there's snippets of of Mary's history that kind of come through. And I started writing some prequel chapters for Mary centering around her life before, before she even meets Danny, before she even arrives in Bangor. And that was a lot of fun, way more fun than I realized it would be. Um, the other one that I started doing was um, Hattie. Hattie was another one that um, has a lot of history, 
but you don't really know what it is. Right. You just know that she has it. And so she's just, she's kind of a mystery character too. Um, she's there, she does her thing, she has her role, but there's, she's deep. There's a lot more to her um, just because of her nature. And so she's another one that I have a few ideas for, for prequel chapters. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. Um, I have had thoughts of, you know, maybe doing something on um, Patreon um, or Patreon. I don't know how it's pronounced. I've, I've heard it pronounced both ways. Um, I've thought about maybe doing something there. Um, I haven't really looked into it yet. Right. The I haven't had ideas for a couple of short stories. Um, just this week, I had an idea pop in my head for another novel. So, uh and it's actually more of a horror slant. So it'll be something else because I was starting to kind of get interested in, in the horror genre and thinking, well, I wonder if I could pull that off. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the, the one thing when you mentioned, you know, uh, Mary's backstory and Hattie, the, 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 the idea that popped into my head was uh, in the beginning of Dragon Riders of Pern, you have that first trilogy that she did. And then you have the Dragon Singer, the Dragon Song books that take place parallel. So every now and again, you get the same scene from another from from the earlier book, only it's from a completely different perspective character, mm-hmm. and you you see another side of it. And and I don't know if that would be a way to, you know, you you start Mary's story in your prequel chapters, as it were, and you move forward with what we've seen. And then maybe go past that, but uh, but the now the horror thing that wouldn't be an echo book. That's a that's a right. unique idea, right? Yeah, completely different. Okay. And and uh, as of right now, a standalone. Because I could see uh, a possibility there with with the body horror aspects of the regeneration yeah. cycle. So there's there's yeah. some potential there that you could mine. But I I it's it's. It's always interesting to me for for those times when a when an author decides that's it this story is done mm-hmm. and you know you have you know like the wheel of time series for example and you know mention the honor harrington stuff where you you continue in that world for 20 or 25 or 30 books as opposed to three. And, and I th- guess maybe it's because we're used to franchises now as opposed to one-offs. Yeah. And, and maybe partially because of Star Wars or, you know, we have, you know, Star Trek out there now, Doctor Who going on for so long. Yeah. Do you have that one idea of this is the one that I want to go on forever? Or are you still just deciding... This is going to be this is going to be one story. This is going to be two stories, and then I'm going to do something else. Yeah. So the the Bart Mountain series ended up being five books, um, honestly, because it got away from me. Um, I had originally was like, okay, it's just one book, and then I got an idea for the sequel, and I wrote that, and then I was like, okay, I I think I'm done, but I got a, I kind of left a lot of loose ends. I said, okay, it'll be a trilogy. <clears throat> and um, uh, and I'll wrap it up in the third book. Well, again, at this point, I'm still kind of pantsing my way through. Right. <laughs> and I opened up 
a thousand cans of worms in that third book and I ended up creating some new characters and bringing them in and they were they were really to me they were very rich very interesting uh, it was a race of the of stone men called guardians and it was they were just so cool to me and so I was like I've taken this thing out of this box and and it's magnificent and I don't want to put it back in right and and once I kind of sat down and I finally said, okay, I, I have to organize myself. And I said, okay, I got to figure out how to wrap this up in four books and be done. And by the time I sat down and figured out how many worms I needed to go back into the can, I was going to need two books to do it. <laughs> and so that's uh, what I did. And so, but that was my, that was my start of um, uh, plotting far more than than pantsing so i do still allow some things to happen organically but i'm i'm far more deliberate in planning now um because i i've had that experience of writing myself into corners um writing myself into needing more books to close all the gaps um, and the other thing is i have intention span issues um it's very difficult for me to get hooked on you know, a Netflix or an Amazon series or something, because usually by about the third season, I'm, you know, I'm kind of over it. And, and that's kind of the way I was thinking was I needed to, um, you know, kind of stay concise and stay on task. Um, I, I would love to do more with Danny. I see a lot more potential there, but uh, to do that, I, I would have to create some other crisis for her to have to deal with. And, right. and the big crisis for the trilogy is, has been this war and the end of the war and everything. Um, and so that I, I want to, you know, wrap up and, um, and, and, you know, start to look at other things. Um, I do want to, I do want to kind of give short story writing a shot again, not sure what I'm going to do with it, but just to, just to do it. Um, well, you mentioned. I, I think it's going to be difficult. Yeah, you mentioned Patreon. Um, that we've seen a number of success stories coming out of uh, crowdfunding, Indiegogo and, and mm -hmm. Kickstarter, especially in the comic book space. Uh, have you has has that ever come up in conversation of doing uh, an Echoes comic book or a Burnt Mountain comic book or or even or something original that's not in those universes doing something mm -hmm. like that or are you sticking to prose no i i would love to get into graphic novels too um that's it's another one so yeah i'm definitely not opposed to comic books but i've started to in the last couple of years have some interest in uh, graphic novels and have been impressed with you know some of the the stuff i've seen around those so i think echoes would be a great graphic novel um personally um Others may not agree, but I, I think it would would go well with that. Um, I'd I'd love to see something like that, um, you know, develop. Uh, I I don't know that I would be the one developing it, but or possibly doing something else, some other story, uh, possibly a short story or something, and and having it be more of a um, a, a graphic um, read instead of just straight prose. Blue sky it here for a second. What? kind of story would you absolutely love to tell? Not necessarily from a standpoint of plot, 
but mm-hmm. you you talk about you've done the fantasy space, you're in in science fiction space now, you're leaning in, you've got an idea for horror. Is there this one type of story that you're just itching to tell? Crime, thriller, noir, horror, it, what's that one that's just back there? You know, I would really I want an idea in this sandbox. Yeah. That was kind of it with sci-fi was was that was that was what I wanted to to do uh, and it was pretty you know challenging initially uh, when I was building the world because it was like you know I was adamant that there was not going to be a magic system you know it's like don't turn this into a fantasy don't turn it into a fantasy sci-fi mashup right um, there will be no magic this this regeneration ability is is biological uh, it's not magic and um, so that, that was kind of my focus. And so sci-fi was really, that was really where I wanted to, you know, to, to at least branch out into. Um, I, I'm not done with sci-fi. And I think, I think the, the one that I kind of kick around in my head that I would love to tackle would actually be more of a space um, travel or space related um, story, um, possibly time travel. I've seen it done a few different ways. I've seen it done really well. I've seen it done very poorly. Um, and, and, and that's one of the, that's probably, that's probably the one I should really try to do because that terrifies me. Uh, sure. Doing one on time travel is actually a terrifying thought to me because it would be so complex. Um, but I've had other ideas around um, historical fiction. Uh, we have a little bit of a, uh, an interesting family history uh, with the Campbells and coming from Scotland and then being in Louisiana. And then it appears per census records that one of my, my ancestor kind of defected to England to avoid the civil war because the timing is perfect. Uh, and then returns two years after the civil war is over, shows back up on the census records. Um, I am a direct descendant of him. <laughs> so um, it's like, uh, you know, there there could be some story there. You know, it's a little, little historical fiction plus, you know, just making stuff up because that's all I know. I don't yeah. know anything else about him or, or that history. But that's another one that, that kind of spooks me a little bit is um, just because it would be so foreign. Something I've, I've, I don't have a lot of experience with, you know, sci-fi movies, fantasy movies, books, things like that. You know, I'm, I'm on them. But some of the, the stuff that's more... Uh, historical or um, uh, even a horror, you know, is, is pretty foreign to me. So, well, that those, that those one be... sounds like the beginnings of maybe a steampunk story. Yeah, yeah. I I, I recently read a um, steampunk uh, novella, uh, The Haunting of Tramcar Zero One Five. Loved it. Just loved it. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was very different than anything I had read before, and I I really enjoyed it. It was a steampunk, sci-fi fantasy mashup, and it was it was very interesting. Um, well, so I want to read more of that author's stuff too. And given your your start with fan fiction, have you have you investigated doing any tie-in franchise work? No, I have. Uh, what's the? Uh, I can't remember the name of the website where it's very popular with fanfic and people write all sorts of stuff out there. C C3. That may not be it. I'd have to look it up. Uh, um, 
it's um, it's just it's a it's a whole forum and and people write different types of fan I think they, they just mashups. yeah I think they just they just want a Hugo right uh, an archive of our own I think is what it's called is that the one maybe um, yeah I'd, I'd have to I'd have to look it up to be sure otherwise I'm just guessing but I remember looking at that and it was just this huge body of work um, and I've, I've thought about that of um, uh, yeah I think that is it I, sorry <laughs> random thought it is i think it's like ao3 or something and it's um yeah the archive of our own or whatever it's called and um anyway it's um i was really impressed by that and and i was i didn't stay in there too long poking around because i was like i could totally do this i could (laughs) i could totally get into the into writing you know fanfic again i i know i could because it's just for me it's a lot of fun uh, the the world building and stuff. You talk about spreadsheets and keeping track. When uh, when you're looking at character development, do you plan the arcs uh, with with any degree of detail, or I'm just going to let this go wherever it goes and see? Do you have an endpoint mm-hmm. in in sight when you start these? Because Rowan uh, as a villain has kind of evolved. Uh, we get more depth and more more development for him, uh, and more of an arc in this second story. Mm-hmm. Is there you have the plans for all of these characters where they're going to end up by the by the end of the third book? Yeah, yeah. And so how I I started uh, plotting this was I, I went really high level. You know, book one, book two, book three, just a, a one sentence of you know kind of what how Danny was going to start where she was going to end up how Rowan was going to start and how he was going to end up and so those were the, the two focal points um, and 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 intersecting their lives and then what what's happening when their lives are separate and then what happens when they come back again and um, and so I did have that that kind of planned out very high level um, but across what would happen in one two and three um, and then I started drilling down into the individual stories. So I really don't start writing until I have a very good idea and a good plan of, of what I'm doing. Um, I do allow things to change. I allow for flexibility in case they're, because sometimes I get an idea for a scene and I write it and it looks, I'm okay, I'm happy with it. And then it may be a week or two weeks later and I get a better idea or you know one that I like even better. And so it, you know, causes some revisions and um, everything. But so I do allow for some things to happen organically. I do all my my notes and everything. Uh, when they're not in Excel, they're uh, they're done with pencil um, and an eraser handy. <laughs> so I do um, I do allow for changes and modifications, and um, that's that's kind of how I've been doing it now for several years, and it's. I do a mashup of several different techniques, um, but that mashup works for me. So I'm, I've, I've been pretty happy with it. Well, and it seems to be working pretty well for you now that you've gotten through the two. Uh, yeah. the, the new book, Echoes of Darkness, which is uh, the, uh, the Echoes Trilogy book two, comes out on Monday. And uh, I believe it's available for pre-order now. But, uh, it is, yep. There is, uh, there is the cover. And uh, at some point, sometime in the near future, I am going to have a, a review posted uh, to, to get that out. 
uh, I did enjoy it. I do recommend it. I do recommend the trilogy. So uh, there, for for what that's worth, uh, there is uh, there is that. So Cheryl Campbell, thank you very much for talking for those of you who are uh, listening in replay you can uh, leave a comment you can send us feedback via email uh, the uh, the email address uh, live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com and don't forget we do have stickers available you can send us a self-addressed stamped envelope 1503 Main Street, number 305, Grandview, Missouri, 64030. Or if you've got something that you would like for us to review, you can send us that uh, to that address. And also, don't forget, we do have the Superhero Stuff discount over there, 10% off when you use the promo code SciFi for me, 10. And you will save a little money, which you can throw in our PayPal tip jar or you can send to our subscribe star account so there is that all right that's going to do it for us today mike murphy in here tomorrow to talk about his comic book crowdfunding project and then we will be back again all next week to do it again live from the bunker here on sci-fi for me tv thanks for being here this has been a presentation of sci-fi for me radio copyright 2020 by flaming dog media llc all rights reserved No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.